But here's what I believe today. I believe the steps are a perfect pathway to personal connection with the divine, however you define the divine. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Boom shakalaka-laka. From Studio AA deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of my friend Mr. Chris S. that you heard at the beginning of this here episode, episode number 302. And guess what? You are going to hear so much more from Chris in un momento. But first things first, this here episode, episode number 302 is brought to you by Todd and Kurt and Lou and Anonymous and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura and Kelly. What, you may ask, did these souls do? Did these aforementioned people do to deserve such a recognition? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made that contribution. So thank you so much, Todd and Kurt and Lou and Anonymous and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura and Kelly. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. Oh, what do I want to talk about? Anything? Uh, nothing has really come to mind. Oh, well, I, I guess... How do I want to talk about this or not? So here, just a little uh, peek into the M family life. We got this, I've talked about it on the show before, but we got this uh, dog puppy a few months ago now. Uh, It is a, what are they called? Bisha poo. I call it bitcha poo because it looks like B I it looks like that when when you see it spelled out. But I think the actual name is a Bisha poo, if I'm not mistaken. And um uh the it's such a loving little creature, little dog. However, um it wants to be with somebody. 24 hours a day. And if you are not by it, uh, or, uh, uh, anyway, if, if you're, if you're not by it, 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 it goes a little berserk. 
And so we're trying to get all this figured out. Uh, and this this includes, by the way, when uh, during sleeping hours and everything else. It just wants to be by somebody 24 hours a day. We have four people in the casa, but we, uh, you know, anyway, it's just difficult. And then let's just say you put it away and you put it in its pen for uh, an hour. It goes crazy while it's in that pen. So anyway, I'm trying to figure all that out. And that is nothing. Well, I guess it does have something to do with sobriety. But uh, anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, I just... Uh, it, ramble on every once in a while and you got to listen to some ramble oning ramble oning i don't think that's an actual word but you get the idea all right so let's go into not go into let's listen to mr chris s chris is a return guest on the pod. Uh, he did one episode before called well number the first one or actually the first one was Recovery is Progressive. That's episode number 289, if you want to go back and catch that one. And he was also on episode number 294. That was step one of Alcoholics Anonymous. So the next uh, logical step in this progression after step one is to go to step two. So this is step two of Alcoholics Anonymous. Chris has been sober since... What is it? December 28th of 1989. And he is from Blairstown, New Jersey. The reason I'm pausing is because I just thought in my little pea brain of what is the name of that movie? Blair, Blair Witch Hunt or something? Witch Blair Hunt? Anyway, I'm sure they're not related at all, but I think there's Blair somewhere in there. Anyway. You want to listen up during this ex- during this particular episode of Chris's excellent description of step one at the beginning of this episode. And we, you know, we kind of combine a little bit of everything there. Even though this is about step one, we go back to step two and we talk about it. We discuss in this episode, insanity, that word in the second step. We talk about Father Ed Dowling. Uh, Chris discusses what happens if we don't live by these principles and how the 12 steps can enable one to become happily and usefully whole and much more. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy Chris S. Okay, everybody. So we are sitting here with Mr. Chris S., one more time. So, Chris, I'm going to let you, first off, go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date, and tell people where you live in this great land of ours place. Sure. I, I, absolutely. My name's Chris. I, I am an alcoholic. Uh, the grace of God separated me from alcohol on or around December 28th, 1989. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a it's a gray area, but but I claim uh, I claim December 28th as as my sober date. I live in a little town called Blairstown in uh, northwestern New Jersey, and I'm really really glad to be here. Uh, you know, you know, I want to I want to say, John, I've I've perused some of the other uh, uh, podcasts that you have, and, and you, you know, I. I am so impressed with uh, the, the amount of work that you've done. And I, I know so many of the speakers and the quality. So I know the quality is really there. So thank you so much for this service. 
Well, you're quite welcome. And you know, and that's why people, that's why we get so many listeners. They're not coming back to hear my shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> they are coming to hear people like you. It's all the great content that guests like you put out there. And I'm, and I'm grateful for not only you, but the other guests. And I want to tell you this. So I was just, uh, as we're recording this, it's on a Saturday and I just got back from a, a meeting. Uh, generally speaking, before I record, I'll, I'll go to a meeting that we have here local. It's called Frisco Fourth Dimension. And uh, I, a lot of my buddies are there. Uh, and uh, there was a couple of them right before I came here who had just heard your released episode from yesterday. One of them's Ricky and one of them was Casey. And they both said that they just so, so much enjoyed what you had put out there. And Mr. Uh, Casey even said, he goes, when I was first sober, he got, he got sober back in like 19. Oh, I think it was like a uh, 1990, if I'm not mistaken, he had the little cassette tapes and he would listen to Chris S all the time. And you helped him along in his journey. So I know you've been doing this for a long, long time. And I also got a message from Mr. Marty C before we started this morning <laughs> saying that uh, he just thinks you're awesome. I know you guys are like road dogs together sometimes. Am I right? Mar Marty and I have done a number of workshops together, but even more than that, we're really good friends. Uh, Ma Marty is special in every way you can be special. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's really a good guy. Great guy. Okay, so last time you and I got together, we pretty much did a, a, a deep dive on step one. Uh, and so what we decided to do was get back together again. And this time we're just going to do a deep dive on step two. Uh, and we'll see where that leads us. You know, sometimes I start out with particular subjects and it ends up being something else. But I got a feeling we're going to stick to step two this time. So uh, step two, Mr. Chris says. And that is, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. A lot to impact there. What comes to mind for you right off the bat? So for, for step two to make sense and for someone to become convinced of step two, step one at absolutely has to be understood. And I believe uh, ha there, ha there has to be an, an internal acceptance of step one as one's personal truth. Okay. So, so just when you just, say internal acceptance, what, what do you mean by that? So to make a decision to engage in a recovery process that's going to gain you access to a power greater than yourself that's that's not something that we just we just do because we want to it doesn't look like it's going to be a lot of fun it doesn't look like it's it's going to help us with the ladies <laughs> you know <laughs> there's just there's so many things about it that that is there it's just kind of a turn off right so so to become convinced that there's a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. One, we have to understand the sanity that we lack, you know, uh, and we need to understand the trouble that we're in. So, so just really briefly, step, step one, lack of power. So what is lack of power? Lack of power equals two things, lack of choice and lack of control. So lack of control is once you start to drink, you find you cannot 
you know, control it. Number two, when you make a firm resolution to quit, you find you cannot. That places you in what the book Alcoholics Anonymous describes as uh, the state of powerless. So if you can't stay away from alcohol, no matter how hard you try, and you can't control it once you start drinking, it's a death sentence. You know, so, so if you can get to that, if you can find an acceptance with that, it opens your mind, it, it, it changes your attitude, and you're more willing to come to believe that there's a power that can restore you to sanity. Because a lot of times you're probably in meetings or you're being 12-step, and there's someone in front of you who is, it's their job to convince you that they had the same problem you had and they don't anymore. You know, they're now sober. So, so I, you know, I'll, t- I'll talk just a little bit about, you know, how I came to uh, the belief of step two. And, and, and it wasn't easy. I just want to say there real quick that what you, how you phrase that, how you summarize that just stepped one was just so succinct. And I would, uh, if people are listening to this on a recording and you can rewind that and just listen to that last like couple of minutes with what Chris said about what is an alcoholic and, you know, self-diagnose if you want yourself through that lack of cho- lack of choice, lack of control, and those other uh, uh, things that you described there. That is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Anyway, go ahead. It, you know, it's very simple, but it's so hard to fully concede. You know, th- there's a great line in the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, who among us wishes to admit complete defeat? You know, none of it. You know, glass in hand, we warped our minds to such a state that only an act of divine providence can release a, relieve us of this obsession. You know, you know, that's a strong sentence. And, and it's a very, very powerful sentence. And I understand it today. Now, now, how did I, how did I become convinced that there was a power greater than myself? I, I had been drinking myself to literally to death. You know, I believe in the last uh, podcast, I, I, I explained like what my drinking looked like in the last four or five years of my drinking. I would start drinking uh, and the velocity of my drinking was such that within an hour I was drunk. Within two hours, I was in a blackout. Within three hours, I was passed out. I was a hard liquor drinker and I was a hard, hard liquor drinker. So, 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 you know, it, it, it had me at such a level that basically all I could do is have a terrible job and go home and drink and come to in the morning and go to my terrible job and then buy a bottle and then go home and drink. I mean, you know, my, my life had, had ended up that way. Now I was trying, I was trying to separate and I put myself in treatment and I went to, you know, I went to a 28 day, uh, spin dry. Um, I, I got out of there. I was, I was going to some AA meetings. I was going to some outpatient. I told everybody I quit drinking cause I, cause I, I'd been treated, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd had treatment. So, 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 so I, you know, I thought, you know, okay, I got this, I got this. And, and I ended up drunk. Uh, I ended up on the way to an AA meeting. The thought crossed my mind that if I bought a gallon of vodka, it would help my sobriety. <laughs> now, don't don't ask me to explain that, you know, because because that's that's part of the insanity that step two is promising us we can be, be relieved from. You, you, you know, no matter what excuse we use when we put alcohol back in our body, it's it's not valid 
knowing our experience with alcohol and the risks inherent in us putting it in our body, no reason is sufficient for us to put the alcohol back in our body. So what is that? Well, that's that. That's that insanity that they talk about. That's the, you know, not, not having willpower where it concerns drink, the strange mental blank spot that precedes the first drink, the subtle form of insanity that allows us to put whiskey and milk thinking it's not going to hurt us. You know, the big book is real clear. It gives us, you know, 50 examples of that. So if I'm convinced of that, if I'm convinced of that, I know I now need to do something. So what did I do? I put myself in treatment. I started to go to outpatient. I went to some AA meetings. I ended up drunk and, and that scared the hell out of me. You know, I, I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I've told everybody I quit drinking. I, I went to treatment and here I am drinking. What, you know, uh, I'm in trouble, you know? So, so what happened was after about seven months of drinking, I had a horrific episode. It was over Christmas, 1989. And it was, it was really not good, you know? And, and, and I crawled back into AA. I went back into AA still detoxing. So I, I went back in and I hadn't slept. I'd been going through the DTs and, and I hadn't slept in like four days. And I remember like walking into, walking into the meeting, just, just lit up, you know, shattered nuts. And, and, you know, that's how desperate I was for, for some kind of, some kind of release from this. So, so my first, my first belief in a power greater than myself was Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I'm going to go to meetings. And, you know, I think that that works for some of us Sometimes I think, I think it works for a period of time. I think what it does is it creates a sober environment where, you know, we we're given the opportunity to discover that there's actually a, a solution and a recovery program, <coughs> excuse me. And that is the, that is the 12 steps. So, so what happened is about six months into going to meetings, like every night, I got exposed to some people <clears throat> who had um, a working knowledge, a working experiential knowledge of the 12 steps. And, and I, I, I got, I got connected with them. And now, now my perception of, uh, of, of coming to believe in a power greater than myself changed too. If I go to meetings and I take the steps I will gain access to that power. I will. Notice that I'm saying I will. I will. All right. So I've had a step experience. And, you know, uh, uh, know, I have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Where that brought me was that brought me to a point where I came to believe that there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. I stopped taking credit for what I was doing that was, that was contributing to my sobriety. Listen, listen, I, I was participating. I was going to meetings. I was taking the steps, but I know a lot of people that have gone to meetings. And I know a lot of people that have taken the steps who, who are drunk today. You know, I believe today that it's this relationship with this power greater than myself that 
has offered me release, release from the obsession to drink. And that's, that's where I am at, at step two, you know, right, right now. Now the book, the book Alcoholics Anonymous has a chapter. It's called We Agnostics. I think it's some of the most enlightened uh, writing on uh, on a solution to our problem that's ever existed uh, for the alcoholic. I think it's got some crummy stuff in it too. <laughs> you know, it's got the prosaic steel girder, and it's got the Wright brothers, and 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 it's it's got you know Mr. Jalopy's flying machine crash to the Potomac, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff like that that really doesn't relate to anybody anymore. We don't know what he's talking about, right? But 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 what the chapter is doing is it's it's explaining to us why we need we need this power in our life why we need this power in our life and and then you know the the best the best thing i can do the best thing i can do is is read a paragraph that will uh that will really really uh really really summarize uh, what I'm talking about. Okay. So this is page 45, one paragraph down in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. So I, I have to understand that I can't, I've got a problem I can't solve. I've, there's no use going on uh, with the rest of the steps. If, if you think you got this, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. And, and today, you know, I've got a lot of experience with this book. I've got a lot of experience taking people through this book. I've got, you know, I've probably done 400 workshops on this book. It's just crazy, you know, how involved, and it, and it's a lot more fun than it sounds, <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, going through this book 300 times is, is, is a lot more fun than it sounds. But, but here's what I believe today. I believe the steps are a perfect pathway to personal connection with the divine. However, you define the divine. Now, now, John, I do a lot of talks at at treatment centers. I have a I have a commitment every Wednesday night, and I'm at a treatment center. And, and you know, these these people are just five minutes away from detoxing, and and it's really my job to convince them that they're in trouble, and we have a solution. You know, those are the two things I'm you know trying to convince them of. And it's just amazing how difficult it can be sometimes convincing somebody that they have a mind that wants to kill them. There's there's an an almost utter inability to assess uh, the the damage and the the trouble that one is in. you know, that's, that's one of the characteristics of alcoholism, you know, having an illness that you just, you minimize, you just minimize the impact of the illness that you're suffering from. So it's very, very difficult. But, but this, this experience I had going through the 12 steps, what it did was it connected me to the divine. Now, now, can I explain that to you? Can, can I tell you exactly what my God looks like? Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessary. I don't know that I could do it if I wanted to. Because, 
because, you know, coming into this process, I thought I would have to become convinced there was a God and what kind of a God it, that was and, and everything to do with the God, like, like how I worship the God. I, I thought I would need to be convinced of all that, but that has not been the case for me. What I have found is through the practice of these 12 steps, very imperfectly, by the way, I have experienced God. So, so, so there's evidence for me today that there's a power greater than myself. There's, there's, there's evidence. You know, I, I want to tell, a, I want to tell a story uh, pretty quickly. I, I had a teacher. And this teacher was amazing, right? His name, his name was Joe Hawk. I can, I can use his name. He's at the big meeting now, right? And you know who Joe Hawk was, right? We've had him on the podcast. Sure. It's, well, not him, but his recordings, yeah. And, well, you know, uh, I got connected to him at a workshop. We became friends. He ended up uh, taking me through the steps. And and uh, he, he was probably the most significant teacher um, in, in, in my recovery. So, so he told a story one time. So, so Joe, uh, Joe spoke a lot. He went around the world, you know, speaking from, you know, back in the nineties and the thousands. And, uh, <clears throat> and he was in Australia. He was going to do a workshop or something. Right. And one of the people that he was, uh, uh, he, he was connected to down there in Australia said, Hey, Hey, there's a, there's a big, there's a big thing going on, you know, down at the convention center, you know, Rinpoche so-and-so is going to be speaking down there. You know, do you want to go? Now this ended up being the, I believe it was the Dalai Lama's tutor was this Rinpoche. So, so Joe, Joe, you know, if you know anything about Joe, he, he, he was a spiritual sponge. You know, he just, he wanted to learn. He wanted to experience. So, so he goes, yeah, I want to go. Right. Right. And he, and he goes down there and he, he he, get, he goes early. He gets in the front row, and uh, and the place fills up. Picture about two thousand people in this auditorium to come here, you know, uh, you know, holy Rinpoche uh, give a talk, and uh, and and the guy comes out. You know, he's a little guy wearing a dress, you know, or whatever, and he comes out and he sits in a lotus position, and everybody gets quiet, you know, and waiting for him to speak. About five minutes goes by. He's doesn't say a thing, you know, everybody's starting to move around in their seats. And then finally, this is what he says. There is no God. And, and you, you know, Joe said, everybody's, everybody was like, what? You know, these, these people came from different continents to hear this guy speak about, you know, the spiritual religious experience, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Tibetan Buddhist experience. And, and so people are uncomfortable. He, he's quiet for like another five minutes. And then he says again, there is no God. Not, now people are moving around in their seat. You, you, you know, the, you know, you know, they're think, thinking I'm going to have to leave. What is this? What's going on? Where's Alan Funt? You know, and, and, <laughs> and, and about five minutes later, this is what he says. Now listen to this closely. There is no God. There is only godliness. And Joe said his mind exploded. His concept of God completely changed at that moment from a God that he pictured as a noun to a God he pictured as a verb, as a power, you know? And, and I believe it's that power that we experience in Alcoholics Anonymous. We can't stay. So all of a sudden we're sober. 
We can't seem to stop gambling. We can't seem to stay at work. We can't seem to get along with people. We can't seem to have relationships. And all of a sudden, these things, these things are coming to pass. You know, that's evidence. That's evidence that there's a power working in you and through you. So, so, so the recovery process for alcoholism, and I'll say drug addiction, and I'll say gambling, and I'll say all that other stuff, anything, anything that's an addiction or even a, an obsessive compulsive behavior, I believe the solution is a spiritual solution. It's, it's going to be a, a spiritual solution because this, the spiritual solution changes me so fundamentally at depth that, that, that I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not the same person, you know, the book Alcoholics Anonymous describes it as being reborn. You, you know, we are, we have a new attitude, a new outlook. We, we have, you know, different relationship skills. We, we comport ourselves, you know, in a completely different way. So there's, there's a fundamental rearrangement that has happened within us by following this spiritual solution. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I do. Uh, a couple things. Number one, you may want to explain who Alan Funt is to some of the people that are listening. <laughs> have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you want to explain Alan Funt? Yeah, sure. So there was, a, there was a show on in the 60s. It was called Candid Camera. And what they would do is they would create a completely bizarre experience for somebody, you know, and then they'd bust out and say, live, you're on candid camera. This has all been a big joke. You know, you know, it was so like the first prank show. Really. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing. So, so one time, one time I was asked to give a talk on spirituality and, and I, you know, I like to understand a little bit about what I'm talking about. Listen, it's not going to stop me from talking for an hour on a subject I don't know anything about. You know, I'll <laughs> go ahead and I'll do that. And you know me. But but I wanted to know a little bit more about spirituality when, when I when I was going to give this talk. So I what do you do? You go to the Google, right? That's what you do when you want to talk about spirituality. And I pulled a couple of things down uh, off of, off of Google. Now What's going to keep me from wanting to experience this power greater than myself is my old ideas. Oh, God's not going to work for me. Jesus is not going to work for me. The church is not going to work for me. It's old ideas like that. That has nothing to do with the power, right? So, so I have to be able to let go of those old ideas. So it's a company I, I found that I found a, an explanation on the difference between spirituality and religion. And I, and I would like to read that. <clears throat> it says, religion is a specific set of organized beliefs and practices, usually shared by a community or a group. Spirituality is more of an individual practice and has to do with having a sense of peace and purpose. And then it says, it also relates to the process of developing beliefs around the meaning of life and connection with others. So when I was, when I was 11 years old, what happened was my parents came into the room and said, you're going to become a Methodist. My mother and father were Methodists. My brother and sister were Methodists. That's what I was going to become. So, so they sent me to Sunday school. And in Sunday school, not that I remember any of this, right? You know, uh, the seventies were, were pretty hard on me, but, 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 uh, 
but I'm sure that they gave uh, an explanation of what the Methodist religion is all about. These are the creeds we believe then. This is what we believe. These are the prayers we say. These are the hymns we sing. Do you believe all this? And if I was going to say yes, which of course I did because it, everybody was saying yes, whether they knew what they were saying yes to or not, uh, <laughs> they said, okay, you can, you, you can be confirmed a Methodist. And I got confirmed a Methodist. And, and, and you know, that was probably the last day I, I went to church for 30 years. Now, now that, that was my religious experience. Now I was bringing that experience into Alcoholics Anonymous and, and it asks me to lay aside those prejudices. It asks me to lay aside my old ideas so that I can be open to a new idea. And if I was not able to do that, it would put my sobriety and my recovery at great risk. Now, what is spirituality? This is my favorite description of spirituality. Spirituality is, is, is like alcoholism. It's very hard to define specifically, but you can, you can describe it. So spirituality is an inner personal pathway to connection with the divine. That's, that's my favorite definition of spirituality. John, what are the 12, what are the 12 steps? They're an inner personal pathway to connection with the divine. And that is very similar to what you were reading from We Agnostics a little bit ago. Uh, it says it, that's what this book is about, to help you find a power greater than yourself. And that's exactly what you defined in spirituality. <clears throat> I do have a couple of comments or questions here. Um, and I actually got this originally from my friend, uh, David G, who talked about it at a group level. And you know how there's the big thing about how there's religion and then we are, and then there's spirituality. And, and, and I get that. And you hear that in AA rooms all the time. However, I would somehow argue that AA is how do I put this? And I, this is kind of blasphemy, but it's very, very similar to religion in many respects. Like, in other words, we have this book here, right, that we believe is God-inspired, uh, divinely inspired. And, you know, we take it very seriously. We read out of it. Uh, we gather together in groups. Uh, we and, and I realize that there's, there's a spiritual component, but I believe there are people within the church that are also practicing spirituality as oh, opposed sure. to just following their religion like a uh, you know, blind, blind follow, however you want to say that. And so anyway, I, I think that AA has a lot and, and, you know, people knock religion, but I think that AA has a whole lot of similarities to religion. What do you think about that? You know, I, I sure hope I didn't sound like I was knocking religion because, because, you know, sure. I am not, I think, I think religion at its core although sometimes practiced imperfectly by the people in it, I think it's one of the most important things that we have in our society. It, ke it keeps, it keeps us together, you know, and, and, and it's, 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 it's absolutely a, a wonderful thing. Alcoholics Anonymous came out of a religious movement. Right. So, so the spiritual principles that we practice to give us um, union and connection to uh, the divine 
uh, come out of religion. They've been de-Christianized by Bill. He's he's created a spiritual architecture rather than a, a religious devotional one, right? But uh, but we we you know we have religion to thank for the process that we undergo that brings about the spiritual awakening. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, and you hear the religious language in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and you hear, believe it or not, in the 12 and 12, if you pay attention enough, you hear the Catholic language in the 12 steps and 12 traditions, uh, all peppered, all peppered through that. Okay. I've never really thought about that. Like, I know that there's Bible verses and stuff like that, but when you talk about the Catholic language, I've never heard that before. Do you mean, was Bill... Uh, Catholic, I, you know, what, talk to me about that. So, so my, you know, my opinion on this, I've done a lot of historical studies. I mean, to really know the truth, you'd have to ask Bill, which we can't do, but he had a spiritual advisor, uh, father Ed Dowling and, and Ed Dowling, uh, was, was a Catholic and they became very, very close. Uh, Bill actually took some spiritual instruction. You know, I don't believe he ever became a Catholic, but he was interested in learning about it, right? And and it, it was kind of around that time that the twelve steps and twelve traditions were written. So it it shouldn't be unusual that there's there's some Catholic vernacular that you can dig out of the twelve and twelve. Doesn't mean it's a quite Catholic program at all. It mm. it 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 means that some of the expression of the concepts and principles, you know, uh, uh, sound reminiscently like St. Augustus or something, you know right. what I mean? One of the, one of the, one of the Catholic, uh, uh, church fathers. So, so again, all of this, all of this is, uh, is something that you can be as religious as you want. You know, uh, some of the guys I sponsor are very, very religious. They're, they're born again Christians. You know, some of the people I sponsor are non-religious, yet they practice spiritual principles and, and they practice the godliness. <laughs> they, they worship the power. You know, they're not, they don't necessarily worship the picture of or the definition of, but they have experience. And listen, we're not asking you, we're not asking you to believe in anything without giving you evidence. And you're going to get the evidence by taking these steps. You, you know what I mean? You, you, you are going to, you are going to evidence the power of God. You are going, you're going to experience the, the, the changes that go on in your life as you move through these steps. So, so, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you can say this, you know, it's a religious, religious. I don't want to have anything to do with it. one of the saddest things. One of the saddest things in alcoholism, if you look at alcoholism as a whole, is there's at least 10 million people out there that went to AA and don't anymore and say AA didn't work for them. Okay. I went to AA. I went to AA. And what they mean is they went to a bunch of meetings and they resented themselves out because the, the meetings can be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they resented themselves out of AA. Have they, did they take the 12 steps? Probably not a one of them, <laughs> you, you, you know, AA didn't work for me because, because we, we offer you evidence. If you take these steps, you will have evidence that it does work. You know, so now sitting in meetings, that's a whole different ball game. You know, that works for some people, doesn't work for, for other people, but, uh, uh, but, 
but we offer we offer you evidence. So there's say 10 million people that have gone to AA and are convinced it's not going to work for them. Okay. And then there's probably another 10 million alcoholics that are are convinced AA is not going to work for them who've never even tried it. And that's the saddest thing that that I see out there because here's a beautiful solution to a progressively fatal illness that we're not engaging with. You know, we're not participating with, we're, we're not accepting. Yeah. And, and I uh, would say that that's a very typical of really any organization. In fact, I can't quote it and I'm not real good with it, but I know there's uh, something in the Bible. I think it's Jesus talking. I'm not even sure, but he says, you know, they throw the seed out. Some of the seed gets washed away. Some of it takes root. Some of it does this and some of it does that. And it's just like humanity as a whole, right? No matter what yep. sort of program is being offered up, there's going to be some who take it and some who don't. And uh, to me, that's partly human nature. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, is we try to live by spiritual principles. You know, we don't live by advice in a, and a lot of times the people that go to meetings believe that they should, they should follow the advice of the things they hear in the meetings. Well, re- really what we do is we live by the, 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 the spiritual principles. Now, now there's a lot of other people in the world that live by spiritual principles. You were talking about it earlier. You know, there's a lot of people who just, just normally, uh, you know, you know, that's the way they've been and that's the way they are. They, they try to live by spiritual principles. There's a lot of people that don't live by spiritual principles. What happens is to an alcoholic is we die if we don't, if we don't live by spiritual principles, you know, there's a a couple other things I want to read here. Okay. This is page 174 of the 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is a beautiful description of what the problem is, you know, for us. And it's hidden away in tradition nine. It says this, unless each AA member follows to the best of his ability, our suggested 12 steps to recovery, he almost certainly signs his own death warrant. Now this is Bill, Bill, this Bill wrote this, right? He's basically saying, if we don't try to live by these spiritual principles hard, you know, we're not going to make it. And then he says, uh, his drunkenness and disillusion are not penalties inflicted by people in authority. They result from his personal disobedience to spiritual principles. So, so my relapse, my, my fall back into active alcoholism is not going to be because of external, uh, external conditions. It's going to be an internal movement and it's going to be because i have uh it's going it, to it's going to be because i've refused or i've ignored these spiritual principles you know and uh the second thing i'm going to read is this is the good news and you can find this on the forward of the 12 steps and 12 traditions it says aa's 12 steps are a group of principles spiritual in their nature which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. So these steps, these, these spiritual principles, if I practice them as a way of life, I get released from the obsession to drink alcohol and they enable, they enable my life to heal to the point where I feel happily and usefully whole. 
that's a pretty cool solution. You know, and and step two, step two is about coming to believe some of this stuff, coming to believe enough of this stuff that we'll get started. We'll move into step three and hopefully end up in step 12. That is beautiful. I love that. Happily and usefully whole. And we have a lot of evidence about that around that. And like you said, like we've always said, AA is not perfect. Uh, we're not the one end all be all, but there is a whole lot of evidence within Alcoholics Anonymous that you become you can become happily and usefully whole. That was fantastic, Chris. Thank you so much so much, so much. I'm going to read from page 164 of the big book uh, to wrap us up here. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us like me and chris s from blairstown new jersey as you trudge the road of happy destiny may god bless you and keep you until then chris i'll look forward to scheduling some more time with you and getting back together to continue on our trek here so do i as always we do appreciate having Mr. Chris S. on the program, and we will be recording Chris a little bit more. I don't know how much more, but more in the future, and we're looking forward to having him back as a guest. Now, on to a little bit of listener feedback, and this is uh, kind of sort of listener feedback, kind of sort of not, and I didn't mention it. I mentioned it last week on the pod uh, um Mm, we 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 gave it quite a, a promo. I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But our friend Mike Muck from Tempe, Arizona, has volunteered to uh, received mail receive mail correspondence. M A M A I L, not mail M A L A. Yeah. Anyway, he he has volunteered to to receive mail correspondence from those who are incarcerated or otherwise. Uh, and if you want to write to Mike, uh, the um, address is Sober Speak, and then you put 1962 East Apache Boulevard. That's 1962 East Apache, A-P-A-C-H-E Boulevard. And that's P.O. Box 7925, P.O. Box 7925, Tempe, Arizona. That's Tempe, T-E-M-P-E, Arizona, 85281. We're not exactly sure what kind of response we're going to get to this, but from this, um, but Mike has volunteered his services and I am most grateful for that. Now onto some listener feedback. Michelle writes in and Michelle says, oh, the, the subject line is speaker meeting. And she says, Hey, well, Hey, Michelle with a big exclamation point. She said, wanted to tell you that I think all speaker meetings should be interview style like your podcast. 
<laughs> she says, I spoke at a meeting today and decided I like the interview setups better. It takes me 40 minutes to calm down and I get five minutes of finally not having dry mouth or nervous belly. Ha ha. Anyway, keep up the good work. Bonsoir. Michelle, I think that's a, I think that's a, a, that's a French greeting, right? Even though you probably think I am a French expert because of my <laughs> French accent when I say words like contribution, you know, uh, it, a lot of people think that I am a French expert, but that's just me being silly, actually. Anyway, it's Bonsoir Michelle, and that's B-O-N-S-O-I-R. And so I think that's a French greeting or goodbye. Oh, he's probably saying goodbye in French. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, thank you, Michelle, for writing in. You know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me of what are those little plants that people um, uh, chop on all the time? Uh, 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 in the, the Japanese little uh, bonsai, right? That's <laughs> but, but I'm sure bonsai has nothing to do with uh, bonsoir. <laughs> anyway, I'm so sorry. Let's just get on with this, right, and finish it up. Deborah writes in and she says, good morning, John. Well, good morning, uh, Deborah. She says, my name is Deborah Q. I wonder if she has a sister named Susie. You get it, Susie Q. But anyway, she says, my sobriety date is... Uh, what is it here? Uh, April 25th of 1989. I live in Silver Springs, Maryland. I was just turned on to Sober Speak by one of my friends. Well, that's a very good friend you have there, Deborah. It's all new to me. However, I'm always searching for the message of recovery to help me deal with life on life's terms. Man, I hear you there, Deborah. She says, fondly, a sister in recovery, Deborah Q. Well, thank you, Sister in Recovery, Deborah. I appreciate you writing in. Gail writes in, and the subject line is, I saw your website and dot, dot, dot. She says, I live in San Diego. I found this SoberSpeak site by binging Al-Anon writing topics. I think bing is the, <laughs> isn't that, that's the, basically like, Chrome or yeah, it's a uh, a search engine, right? Binging, Alan on writing topics. I am returning after a year's absence from Alan on. I needed immediate help and a positive focus. I settled on acceptance. John, thank you for being there. Gail, well, Gail. That makes my day. That is so cool. I'm glad you found us, and I'm glad you found some inspiration on the website. I should add more Al-Anon stuff in there now I'm thinking of it. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad you found us, Gail. God bless you. Uh, keep coming back. It works if you work it to all of you. And may God bless you and keep you until then. That wraps up Uno Masamana of lay sober speak you know i think i just did french english and spanish all at the same time i am quite talented but nonetheless uh i, I hope to be here next week as i always tell you i'm a week at a time uh you never can tell maybe back maybe not maybe you know god could decide to punch my ticket this week and if he decides to do that hey 
I've had a really, really good life. I had this life that started out in much chaos, and I still get chaos today, don't get me wrong. And now, uh, and then I had this like a first 10 years of sobriety. And then this, 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 this other chapter of my life has included my family, including that dog I talked about at the beginning of this. And uh, I don't know if anybody wants a Bishapu, <laughs> write me. I'm just kidding. My wife would not let me give the Bishapu away. But if you have any tips on how to settle one of these things down and uh, keep it from having separation anxiety, <laughs> write me, let me know. But, but even if you just want to contact me, otherwise write me at John J O H N at soberspeak.com. If you wanted to see, and I was going to end it just like, I don't know, two, three minutes ago, but I keep going on and on. If you want to join our secret, super secret Facebook group, look up Sober Speak Secret Group on the interwebs and ask to join and we will get you in there. And if you want to follow us on la Instagram, Instagram, uh, we're at Sober Speak, all one word. And then also we're actually on Pinterest. If you want to follow us there at Sober Speak, all one word as well. I think it's all one word on Pinterest, but anyway, God bless you. Uh, like I said, keep coming back at works. And uh, if you've made it this far, you are a real trooper. <laughs> Bye.